Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Football now has become this kind of... Uh... It, it, it's, become, it's become very much a business, right? Because we see lots of, um, ex, you know, rich Americans coming by clubs or whoever it is. Um, and maybe it started with Abramovich. And now we see the likes of like Hollywood people like Ryan Reynolds buying Wrexham and stuff. And when does, um, is there a danger that football is going to become, it is a business, but, come, but just become a business rather than being a sport? It's that carbon capture again. <laughs> <laughs> and release, capture and release that one. <laughs> He's poured you a beer over there. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, football definitely is a business uh, to a lot of people. Uh, and I think you see it at the Premier League level, mostly championship as well. I think the lower down the leagues of football you go, then the more you see it for what it used to be, a community thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is where Forest Green came from. And uh, we're, we're definitely a football club, but we're a very different one. We've, you know, we've got um, the environment uh, written into the DNA of the club. Mm-hmm. And, and our mission is to have fun, play football, but carry a serious message and change the way our fans live and change the way other football clubs go about their business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we can see that working. Um, and I, I think, you know, the Premier League has is, is definitely got its um, downsides and, and, and the kind of the business mentality of running football clubs has definitely got its downsides. Um, in what way? What are the downsides, would you say? Well, I mean, it's all about the money, isn't it? And, yeah. and fans get overlooked. Uh, well, fans get not just overlooked, they get kind of milked, don't they? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, new shirts every season or several times a season. You know, like we, we have a shirt every two years. Um, so each of our shirts lasts for two years, so you don't have to keep buying another one. You know, it's, and, and it's, it's not just better for the fans because they need less money to keep up. It's also better for the environment as well. And as you mentioned before... Uh, our, our shirts are quite different. We we made them with bamboo a couple of years ago, and we made them with they coffee must, grounds must most been recently. Quite rigid for the uh, <laughs> bamboo. Is, bamboo the, t- is, the team didn't do very well. Like. You, you can buy underpants made of bamboo. Great chesting <laughs> the ball, but <laughs> bamboo is so soft. It yeah, is. It's yeah. really soft. It is, yeah. yeah, you get a Portuguese um, Portuguese bamboo material that I've I've, I've worn a. Ah. It's, it's sustainable. So don't it's worry. Really, it's really lovely. And now it's coffee grounds. You were you were wearing that over your mink. Um, <laughs> Your mink undercoat. <laughs> how 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 hard is it to? Um, because I, I think the connection we have, which we should probably say, is that. So I have a business, Candy Kinnons. Um, as I explained to you before, we, you know, I started it ten years ago. The mission was what I had was to make a sweet with no nasties. So we wanted to make sweets with no animal gelatin in it. We wanted to have no palm oil. We wanted to make natural flavors. All these different things. Um, and as we started to do it, we realized how hard it was to create something like that. It was expensive. No one was doing it. No one wanted to do it. The margins are really tight. FMCG, fast moving consumer goods, typically margins are really tight anyway. Mm. So, you know, and everyone wants cheap things, but you have to make mm. it more expensive. Really hard to do. Mm. And we're now sponsoring you guys, um, which we're really excited about. Um, but, from our side, it's an amazing sort of collaboration for us. We're super excited about it. But how hard is it to run a football team? Well, yeah, how hard is it? I would say my first two or three years at Forest Green, it it was like um, 
the uphill struggle you mentioned earlier. I'm still on that struggle. I'm like, where's the summit, right? Because <laughs> yeah. there's so much to be done. But it was a it was a volunteer run club in in non league football, uh, and the league itself had grown up around it to be full time and, and and professional, and and it was just behind the curve on everything. So we spent two or three years really making it kind of modern and efficient and, and effective as an organization. You know, we had, for example, turnstiles that didn't count the number of people that went into the to the ground. So we didn't know how many people attended. We had guys with cash bags taking the money, right? And, and you know, that's like fraught with, <laughs> with possibility. Yeah. The, mm. de- the day we changed to new turnstiles and cashless with a smart ticket and all that kind of stuff, which is a big investment, uh, but very modern, revenue jumped 70% and never went down again. Wait, say, say that again. So some of the guys no longer had gold watches. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 say that again. So you, when you changed it, when you changed it from not using cash, yeah, yeah. it went up 70, 70%. Yeah, yeah. So that was a big example of what we changed. We changed everything. And so for two or three years, it was like, shit, you know, what have I done? I, I feel like that sometimes. I'd jump into something with both feet and then think, oh, blimey, this is a big thing, but I can't give it up, right? I can't give it up. And then after Persistency that... Persistency is key in everything. Yeah, it is, actually. Has to be. It is. And then it became easier and uh, more fun. Uh, we've gained uh, two promotions now to be in League One, and that's been just fantastic. Amazing. We we work with the UN on a program called Sport for Climate Action, which is a global program uh, to get the whole world of sport doing the stuff that Forest Green have done. That's an amazing opportunity. And, and we just have this incredible platform, 100 fan clubs in 20 different countries of the world. And people are coming to us who are fans in the environment and or fans of football. We're, we're attracting a new audience to the world of football and, and to be supporters of Forest Green. And uh, the whole thing is just something I'd never even dreamed it could be. I never even thought about it. Mm. Uh, it was just a rescue mission, but it's turned into the most incredible platform and uh, and actually occasion. You know, every every Saturday is an occasion. When we're at home, you know, I go to the ground with our fans. We've got common cause. That's the great thing about football, you know. We're here to see the see the team, hope we win, that kind of stuff. But we've got the environment stuff all around us um, and nonstop media coverage. And, um, you know, it's, I like to describe it as a serendipity, a happy accident. Do you, do you think, how much does naivety play into this where you just go, well, this is what I think is going to work and just I want to do this? Yeah, I think it's more, um, it's not naivety. Not naivety, maybe. Yeah. No, but it's... But, but it's, um, what would you call it? It's doggedness, obstinance, um, because because when I'm, what I mean by naivety is that you had no experience in running a football club. Mm. And and if they'd gone out and found someone who had experience, then it wouldn't be run differently. You, yeah. your, your naivety in running a football club led it to its success. Yes. And I think um, it's an advantage to go into an industry without knowing anything about it. I, I couldn't. I, pr- yeah. I, I say that all the time. Yeah. If, so, you, if you're selling trainers, find someone who's sold fridges. Like, just, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Or never sold anything. Yeah, never sold anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I started a green energy company, the first in the world in 1995. I had never run an energy company. What was Let it alone called? A green one, Ecotricity. <laughs> Let alone, and and that was an advantage. I had a blank sheet of paper, and all I could see were things that looked like they could be done differently and better. What? Okay, so if you had to say, if you had to write down on a piece of paper in front of you that the the qualities that you know that you have, that you say, okay, this is what I think I'm good at. Because I think with, with anyone, what I had to learn from running a business is I had to very quickly learn what I was good at and what I was bad at. And you have to be self-aware in that area. What would you say you're good at and what do you say you're bad at? If anything. Is that a hard question? <laughs> what am I good at? It's quite a revealing question. Well, I'm, I'm good at persevering, uh, absolutely. You know, I didn't give up. Um, which is a good thing, can be a bad thing, but so far so good. Uh, I'm good at like um, imagining new ways to do things, better ways to do things. 
Um, I've got no lack of uh, boldness, I would say, to, you know, to boldly go mm. where nobody's gone before. Um, and, um, you know, in terms of bad traits, maybe to a degree in the past, I've been too, um, too micromanaging. But we're going back decades now, though, because I got used to the idea of delegating, getting more people in to do different things. So like Ecotrizzy was my first company, really. And um, I did everything, you know, energy trading, customer service, billing, uh, you know, I did everything. But then as we grew, got people in to do all of those and I moved away to do other things. And so I think one of the key lessons I've learned is is how to delegate, how to let go of something. <sighs> You're a control freak. That means a little bit. Yeah, it, you, <laughs> but yeah, but like most, yeah. yeah, I am. We were just talking about that before. My hardest thing in the world, and I think a lot of people listening, it, it, it's, it's uh, realizing that you're, Realizing that you're not um, the best at everything, and yeah. and allowing other people to take those roles, yes, I find that so hard. I found that yeah. really hard to do for yeah. so long. Yeah, cultivate it. It's, it's a it's a good trait. When I was a kid, you remind me. I used uh, used to play football. I was mad for football. I'd want to be in every part of the pitch. Couldn't leave it to the other people, right? <laughs> Defending, attacking, wherever it was, I had to be there. Knackered, absolutely <laughs> knackered. And, and then what happens when you do that is you're leaving gaps all over the field. So actually, right. it's a negative impact. It was, it was kids' football. We all chased the ball anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, how how expensive is it running a football club? Um, well, it's an interesting way to look at it. How expensive is it? Um, time, see, energy, money, everything. Yeah, so the, the, the time goes up and down. Um, so right now we're in the January transfer window. We're sat at the bottom of League One in our first season, and we've got a big job on to change it around for reasons we're well aware of. Um, and so it's taking up a fair bit of time right now. When when the January window closes, that will that will f ebb away, um, and then the summer will come. Hopefully, we'll still be in League One. It'll be about recruitment. We're trying to build new training facilities. All kinds of stuff is going on. But that's linked into Eco Park, the place where we're hoping to build an all wooden football stadium and green tech business park and all these kind of things. So there's time spent on that as well. It just comes and it goes. I would say um, the the cost. I don't look at. As a, as a cost of running a football club, I look at it as the cost of running a communications platform. Because this is what it is. Yeah. We have fun. And hell, our, our message goes around the world. Seriously, it does. I asked our, um, our PR guy for, for an update um, this week on, on the, the valuation of our media coverage uh, so far this year to date. It was something like 40 million quid. What? And I was curious and I had a, I had a reason for it as well. And um, it's just it's just phenomenal the coverage we get, and I think it's because we've done something improbable. We've combined two things that don't look like they would mix: football, a traditionally male macho culture thing, and the environment, quite traditionally not like that. And we put them together and made a success of it with two promotions and, and all that kind of stuff. Forty million is a lot. I hope you're charging him a healthy amount for this. <laughs> I, I hope we don't get paid in sweets. Yeah. Yeah. I just said margins were tight. <laughs> if if you if I was to phone you up today and I had a business that, that, that you know, let's say a business in I don't know in food or whatever or whatever it was, let, let's not pick anything. And I want you to come in and say, I, I, I want you to try and change things straight away to make us more sustainable, make us more green. What were the, the quick changes that you would do straight away without even knowing what the business is? Oh, yeah, that's easy, that one. <clears throat> I would say look at energy, transport and food. Because while it's 80% of everybody's personal carbon footprint, the same is true of every organization, however small, however big. Um, 
you just look at how you power yourself, how you travel and what you eat. Start there. They're the big three things. It, I, I totally agree with you. And I also think that actually what happens now is it, there was a focus on the individual changing, right? You have to recycle. You have to do this. You have to do that. But actually, it's now down to businesses to do it. Because if businesses start doing it, then everyone else follows. Is, right. Do you think that's a fair to say? Yeah, I, th I think it's like a... It's almost like a two-way thing. There's like a feedback loop going on. Like the Greg's example I mentioned earlier, they put out a vegan sausage roll. It was a fantastic take-up. So they put out a vegan steak, bacon, some other stuff. Do you know what I mean? And and you can see it in, in uh, supermarkets and motorway services. I mean, it's everywhere because businesses have felt the demand for vegan stuff. And so what we choose to spend our money on sends them that signal. And businesses are more likely to be led by what people want than politicians are. Politicians think they're led by what people want, but they actually try to give people what they think they want. Mm. And so politicians are kind of usually a bit behind the curve, but businesses talk to politicians. So there's like a three-way thing going on. There's, there's us, the people, there are businesses, and there's uh, politicians that make the rules, the laws and everything. And between us all, you know, we can change this thing around. Businesses definitely want to give people what they want. That's their business to do that. Politicians also do, but they're just a little bit more behind the curve. And um, But it's definitely a, definitely a two-way thing. If businesses don't make that stuff available, we can't buy it. So it has to start somewhere. Yeah. But it started. Because it was interesting, like the, the whole recycling thing was kind of generated by Coca-Cola in the 80s to to because to, basically the realization that plastic was bad for the planet was starting to, I think, impact their sales. So they went, shit, OK, we need to try and do a spin on this. Let's create recycling. So they kind of they came up with the concept. Is that true? And Yeah. And so it's very clever. What, what it did is it, it flipped the it flipped the onus uh, back onto the consumer mm. and it went, hey, it's not it's not us. It's you guys. You guys need to do it. And the same has kind of uh, happened with the environmental stuff. It's now flipping it back onto to the individual again to go, oh, drive an electric car, do this. And it's trying to take away the the heat from the big sort of, you know, the, the global conglomerates. The but I think do. that's a good thing, though. It, I think that's a good it, thing it, because it, well, no, it ultimately I mean, it's, it's down to us as individuals. It, 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 well, everything starts at the individual level. I think it's good. And that's amazing the way that the universe works is even when you've got these nefarious guys trying to do this shit out of what they're trying to you know what they're trying to do there will be some positives that happen and i think it has generated like this mass shift which we spoke about sort of early on which which is really good yeah i mean if the car companies didn't make electric cars we couldn't buy them exactly it's so important that they've done that and they were the head of the game really you know our government last year i think under johnson just three prime ministers and six months ago <laughs> said he said uh, he said he was going to ban the sale of petrol and diesel cars by 2030 but look the industry had already said that right? <laughs> yeah, I know. So, classic classic but you know so i think i think there's almost a cynical view i want to say that without wishing to be mean towards you so almost a cynical view of things um because i'd hate the word consumers right but as a as a group of people um that's what we do we consume things that yeah. businesses make. Yes. And and we have that responsibility actually to spend our money differently and, and to take responsibility for what it is we do buy uh, in terms of recycling and stuff like that. But we need business to help us do that because mm -hmm. they've got to create the alternatives. And one of the good things, I guess, about um, a competitive business landscape is there'll always be somebody that will come up and do something different like you have, mm. right? Where, where the big guys might not move and we need them to move. Mm -hmm. Somebody will come up and do it like we did with Ecotricity. It, it's completely true. If you look at something like, um, I, I think it was Pepsi who bought Innocent. I think yeah. they bought Innocent. Oh, Coke. Oh, Coke, sorry. Yeah. Coke bought it. And, uh, and 
uh, Innocent or a B Corp. And now it, what they've done is they're making Coca-Cola look at their whole portfolio to see that yeah. everyone becomes a B Corp. Yeah. That's an amazing thing. And 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 we, we've just become a B Corp as well. And for anyone who doesn't know what a B Corp is, in simple form, it's people, planet and profit are all the same importance. What are your thoughts on B Corp and these sort of certified sort of places? Now? Do you think that is a bit of greenwashing or is it a good thing? Yeah, I guess... Uh oh! <laughs> don't, don't, don't break his heart. <laughs> Spent a lot of money and time trying to yeah, get yeah. that stamp. Yeah, yeah. I, I We're building he... a wooden office. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're building a wooden ship. It's called a shed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they need branding advice, right? I mean, they're the, they're the B team. Come on, what's that about? What's that about, man? I, I, yeah, I, I actually, I know exactly what you mean. But at the same time, it, you know, getting that rosette or whatever yeah. you want to call it yeah. is, you know, at least people are striving to yeah. get it. I, I accept that. Absolutely. So they're one of a number of different schemes that you can. Yeah. Run, and it gets people engaged uh, to to win something and then to have something to show. It, okay. Which is and 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 and. and inherently we're all a bit competitive and we want to show okay we're doing something and and actually what happens is is we went down this road and becoming a b corp is pretty hard it's actually really hard to jump through all the hoops and get the points and different things and it's complicated to explain here but as you're doing it you're educating your employees you're educating yourself you're educating other people your family members because you're going through the whole process and and when you come out the other side you have learned a lot more than you didn't know before so actually part of it is a good process i yep. would say yeah yeah I, I don't argue with that. And you remind me what you said there, and, and I think what you said um, a minute ago of an, of an experience we had. Because uh, throughout our time as a green energy company, we've had this question of who we should and who we shouldn't work with. So we turned down McDonald's in the 90s flat. We turned down Bernard Matthews, the turkey-abusing farmer from Norfolk. He's dead now, so I got <laughs> no danger of being sued. Uh, we turned him down flat. I mean, why would we want to power a business like that? And then um, we, we created this concept called Merchant Wind Power where we would build a windmill on the site of a factory uh, so it was kind of um, off the grid behind the meter so that you didn't mm. pay the cost of using the grid. Um, you had less wind, but you could trade that for having less cost and we would power directly a factory. So we, we did this uh, deal with Ford. We built a big windmill for the diesel engine factory in Dagenham and it made all the diesel engines for Europe and it was powered entirely by green electricity, which is a fabulous thing. And from time to time, people said, well, what are you doing working with Ford? You're right? They make polluting cars. Obviously, they do. But they, they were at least then thinking about electric cars. Um, but the, the internal and external PR benefit that Ford felt was so big mm. that they asked for a second one, and then they asked for a third one. And so just getting started by doing something with them uh, set them on the path. Wow. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, have you ever come across someone called Sean Sutherland? Uh, she has a, uh, a company called Plastic. She came on and she talked about recycling. Mm. And I met this guy the other day um, who has something called PaveGen. I don't know if you heard of PaveGen. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, right? It's kinetic energy. So a uh, uh, quick synopsis of it. the roads that, that charge... It, it, it's a contraption that's been created where basically a human footprint on oh, it. So would, you, it could be a path, a, a footpath. Yeah, well. it would create five watts of kinetic energy, and if five you watts for f- a footprint, yeah, for a footprint five watts. So if you put it under a, um, they did it. They did a test where they put it under a football pitch in the favela in Brazil, and it ran all the floodlights. And they believe they put it under the main stage in Glastonbury. It ran Glastonbury for the five days it's mm. on or whatever it is, amazing. which is amazing. But the problem is, is these things Skeptical don't. Skeptical about that. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> You don't know how much that those pills make people dance. That's going to burn 750,000 litres of diesel a year. I'm sceptical. <laughs> okay, okay. But 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 maybe that's what it is. It feels like these, and I heard about this thing seven years ago, eight years ago. And it's like, it feels like these things are taking a long time to occur. But maybe because I'm not behind the curtain. I don't know. I think the cost of energy generated that way is not competitive. And that's why it hasn't really taken off. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. What do, you, what do you mean by that? As in to develop and build. That, that's why we don't see them everywhere. That's why we don't see it's, pavements. It's expensive to, to create, right? For, yeah. The energy got itself as, as an outcome uh, is relatively expensive. As, as someone that's got an ear and an eye kind of in revolutionary tech and sort of solutions that are happening, what do you, if you had to like put, you know, put your flag in one that's going to save us, if you had to? One. Well, I don't think one will save us. I think there'll be a combination. There's the stuff we've already got, the wind and the sun. Um, battery storage, the smart grid, uh, tidal lagoons is something new that we're working on. I think I've got a big role to play. This is where you build like a swimming pool out in the ocean. It's like a square or circular oh, I th- bundle I think of I've rock. I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. As the tide rises, uh, you generate electricity and it fills the pool up. And then when the tide outside drops, um, you let the water back out and make electricity again. Wow. We think that'd be super cheap. It's also predictable 100 years in advance because the moon is and, and the tides are. And so I think that's got a role to play. Geothermal, which is tapping heat from underground uh, to make electricity, that's possible. Um, starting in Cornwall, and they're finding that there's a lot of lithium in the water down there, which can help uh, with the battery demand batteries. that we yeah, have. Yeah. So there, there's a combination of things, I would say. Um, we've got a machine in R&D that could uh, make a really big difference on another front, which is water. Um, so we've built a device that takes any kind of water from uh, from the rain, from uh, what's known as grey water, dishwater, showers, that kind of stuff, black water, which is from toilets, can take all of that and turn it into better than tap quality drinking water. Wow. And it used to be the size of a room and we've got it down to one cubic meter now, which is a bit bigger than that, it's about that big. Mm. Um, and it's just in testing. It comes out in the summer, it should be certified globally in the summer. And it, it, the, the, the purpose of it is you, um, you dig a hole uh, outside a house and drop it in the ground and all of the water from the house, gravity feeds into it. Uh, you have another tank the same size for storing the clean water. And um, you can take a house off the water and sewage grids with this device, which costs a few hundred quid. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so while we're facing droughts in the Western world now because of the climate crisis, I think it's got a big role to play in countries like, uh, well, I say countries, like states like California, for example, which we think of as, uh, as kind of rich. Uh, mm. And they are. And they are, but they have you know enormous water problems it's obviously got a big role in the developing world as well um i mean just just globally what drinking water is is going to be a really big problem in the climate crisis mm. yeah they think it is and that's why it's, it's, it's going to so be like frustrating because like all these solutions are there 
Mm. We just seem to have not been able to Im- implement them. Not yet. Do you, do you think that because i'll go back to me being sort of skeptic and cynical yeah here is the cynical you just, yeah, don't um, be cynical but ha- have you because i mean a lot of people will say that the reason these solutions have been around but it's the petrodollar economy that's kind of suppressed them intentionally because if they rise then they lose power have you encountered that sort of resistance or kind of any any pitfalls like that in your journey no i, I think these guys genuinely if it was a better business opportunity they would jump on it money's king right yeah that's yeah, that's, that's all they're here for yeah so I, you know, I don't buy into the idea that somebody invented a super efficient light bulb and, and the light bulb companies bought it and stuck it in a safe somewhere. Do you know what I mean? For example, that's another urban myth type conspiracy theory thing. Mm. Or, or that somebody killed the electric car, you know, in America back in the day. There's a film about that. I don't buy it. I don't think that's right. I think um, it, was, it was early days for the technology 20 years ago for, for electric cars, 30 years ago. And, mm. um, and it just wasn't economic. Also, we didn't have the big driver of the climate crisis right in our faces, which we have now. Mm. So governments are changing the rules and businesses have to react to that. And people want better and businesses have to react to that. And so Mm. there are so many things changing now. The technology has matured as well. We can build wind and sun uh, projects right now with no government money at all, uh, which is a massive transformation from when we started in the 90s when solar was incredibly expensive and wind was expensive and needed support. It's just come a very long way. Solar's mad. I saw some stat about how much energy the the deserts absorb yeah. each year, and it could like it would power the planet six times over or something. Yeah. It's just trying to work out how to harness it. Is the is the a tiny fraction of the Sahara is all it would take to power Europe. It's, it's, so, it's so nuts. I heard something like um, as well that that the the royal family own all of the land off the shore of the UK, and they're now putting. Um, uh, wind turbines all around that is that is is, is that happening or so does that make any sense That's to you rishi shunak trying to build a wall to stop people <laughs> coming in probably about that. <laughs> yeah i mean it's called the crown estates and they own the uh the the shore shoreline and, and the um you know the deeper water line around the country they do license it to uh, offshore wind farms and yeah. all kinds of uses actually dredging and all kinds of stuff and they make money so it's it's money, though, that doesn't go to the royal family. It goes to the government. It's not owned by the government. It's a weird thing. It's owned by the royal family, but they... Go, they, they, they don't get the money from it. They don't get the money from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. totally get it. Can I ask, uh, maybe a personal question? Feel free not to answer. Are you driven by money? No. Nope. Not at all. So what drives you? Change. Trying to make things better. Really? Yeah, because, um, you know, I, I care about it. But the, business is a really interesting tool. Because it looks like an apparent conflict, right? I've mm. done a lot of things. I've got a big business. Mm. Um, but um, back in the 90s, I made a decision. When I, when I started Ecotricity and wanted to bring green electricity to the world for the first time, I, I thought about two different ways to do that. One was a charity model, going to people and saying, look, this stuff is a worthy cause. You should help me, you know, help me fund it. And the other was to take a business approach to be able to go to people and say, look, green electricity is a good thing. Your customers will, will love you more if you've got it. And uh, by the way, we can make it more or less the same price as conventional electricity. <clears throat> and it seemed to me the business model was far more likely to bring change far more quickly it, it than a charity model. gets shit done. It like, does. Like <clears throat> capitalism as a model is, is incredibly effective. Mm, it's just yeah. I think you need, we need to change what the success metric Absolutely. is. It's no longer about capital. It's like kind of the stuff that you've yeah. been talking about needs yeah. to be. I, th- I think it's been... Um, <clears throat> Maybe it's been hijacked. I don't really know, but we certainly need to hijack it back. We need to, we need to stop making money the sole purpose of running a business. And the sole focus of a company making money for shareholders just has to change. Um, 
Because when you only pursue money, you, you just do bad things for the people around you and for the, for the environment around you. And we've allowed capitalism to, to bring us to this point, actually. I mean, we're, we've been complicit in it because we've been buying the shit they've been making. Um, but it's all been about the pursuit of money, and we have to change that. And it can be changed easily because, you know, um, economics and, and the business environment, they aren't like the rules of nature. They aren't like the laws of physics, right? They're the laws They're of man. Malleable. We can yeah. change them. Yeah. Yeah. We can rewrite them. So, 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 if you were to sit here and you were to sit, um, you know, uh, in a room, but I, I, I've done this thing recently, and, I, and it's a bit hippie, but I, I kind of like, I, 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 I sat in, I sat in a room, orgy, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I sat in a room by myself, and I, and I, and I really thought in my head, okay, I thought, what are the things that are aren't bringing me good at the moment, and what are the things that really brings me joy? And I really thought about it with no distraction or nothing, and I really worked out what it was. If someone was to say to you, what really brings you joy? What is it in life? Uh, <clears throat> it's doing the stuff that I do. It's, um, it's doing things that haven't been done before that are worthwhile, not just for the sake of it. Things that can bring big change, like you know, our diamonds. They're, they're in incredible, almost impossible to think it can be done. Um, can you but, explain it a little bit? That, how uh, that works? Yeah. So um, we, we make diamonds from the atmosphere. We take carbon out of the atmosphere and turn it into a diamond in, in a nutshell. And in a nutshell, yeah, that's how we do that. That's how we deliver them. You really are Willy Wonka. Yeah. <laughs> we should we should do that actually. <laughs> also, loving stop stealing all the carbon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and, and uh, what was I saying? Um, so you get them from the atmosphere, and you yeah. and you you you. How do you create them? Just from how does that even? It's a complicated process. It took us five years of R and D probably to to crack the process. Uh, it was an idea I had nearly ten years ago. And uh, most things take 10 years, I find. Yeah, always. <clears throat> and everything takes 10 years. Uh, and and uh, I was thinking about geoengineering, on, you know, this fiddling with the planet uh, to, to suck carbon out of the atmosphere and thinking that's only half the job, right? Because once you've got the carbon, you've got to lock it into a permanent form. That's mm. that's the other challenge. And I thought, wow, the, the most permanent form of diamond we know of is a diamond, right? Because De Beers tell us that. Mm -hmm. Diamonds are forever. Girls, girls yeah. best friend as well. Well, right? that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, wouldn't it be amazing if we could do that? Take carbon out of the atmosphere, something we have too much of, turn it into a diamond, something we quite like to have. So it started out as a carbon capture and storage idea, uh, but I quickly realized that the amount of carbon in the diamond and the, and the cost of, of making it makes it uneconomic for large-scale carbon capture and storage. But... We then looked at what the diamond mining industry, uh, the ground mining industry, what their environment impact is. There was no independent report on this stuff. They like to keep it a bit quiet. So we commissioned Imperial College in London uh, to look at this for us. <clears throat> and we found the most incredible story. So a carat of diamond uh, would be roughly that big if I had one in between my fingers right now. It's a fifth of a gram. To make that, they dig 1,100 tons of rock out of the ground. Get out of here. Yep. They expose 30 tons of toxic metals to the environment in the process and consume five tons of water in the process and release half a ton of greenhouse gas for that fifth of a gram of diamond. And there are 150 million of those dug out of the ground every year. Oh, Do the math. So it's an enormous impact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Minecraft, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If we were in Minecraft world, you could cover Belgium in one cubic meter blocks every year from the spoil these guys dig out of the ground. Really? Yeah. So it then turned into uh, something else whereby we can call for the end of diamond mining from the ground because we can mine diamonds from the sky. Are they the same are they the same um, yeah. thing? Identical. Except except they usually um, they're usually better. So last last uh, two weeks ago I think it was, we we produced our first perfect diamond, D in colour and flawless. What? One in twenty thousand diamonds dug from the ground comes up that good. We did it in five hundred. 
Did you bring any with you? Oh, I have some <laughs> he, in my bag. He oh, gave no. you some sweets. Can we get here. a couple? Oh, you, don't, you left it in the... You left it, <laughs> left it in... Your in, swag in, bag <laughs> for the time. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, damn, damn, I usually have some with me. Damn, listen, I, I really want to bring you back on. It would be amazing because I want to hear so much more about this. And uh, this is exactly what these type of platforms here, these podcasts, right? We should stop talking about different things. We should start talking about more things like this. Um, I want to say a big thank you for allowing Candy Kinnis to sponsor Forest Green Rovers as well. We're super excited about it. Um, and just a big thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been hugely, I mean, this is what this year is about. This is the shit that we like. The year of getting shit done. There we go. Yeah, I, thank, like it. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much no, for coming no. on the podcast. And I like what you guys have done, actually, because somebody had to step into that gap and do it. Yeah, thank you. That's very kind. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Woo! There we go. That is the type of stuff we want, Mitt. That is the type of stuff we want. I'm feeling enlivened. I'm feeling, yeah, inspired. I think is is the word. And what's great about it is just basically, it's just changing mindset. Mm. Well, yeah, what I like, you know, he's got that like real sort of go-getter attitude. It's like identifying issues and then getting stuck in and, and then solving it. Which... Do, you think he get, do you think he gets on planes? I don't know. Oh, I wanted to ask him. I'm sorry we had to cut the interview short at the end there. Uh, Dale had to run, um, but he's going to come back. Guys, uh, I want to say a big thank you for tuning in once again. Um, go and check out our Instagram at Private Podcast, our TikTok at Private Podcast. Um, we're on YouTube as well. You can watch the full episodes there. Um, and a big thank you again for listening to us. Remember, we're back on Wednesday for another bonus episode. Yeah. Have yeah. the greatest day. Well, and I want to go watch the Forest Green. I'm going tomorrow. You should come with me, not to watch. To We're, uh, we're sponsoring when, it. When they're, when, they're, when they're playing. One of the lads. On the weekends. The, the first 11 on the lay out on the pit. On the weekends. Where was Kenny?